Welcome in everyone, this is the full 10 yards NFL podcast where every yard counts. Week 7 almost in the books, my god we're nearly halfway through the season ladies and gentlemen, It boy doesn't it go fast, uh, good podcast in front of us here today, just me and Sean, Lawrence is still on IR um, he's with Sinusitis, it's amazing uh, what you can contract when your team doesn't uh, do too well and doesn't score any points, but enough about that, we'll let him defend himself when he comes back on, but yeah me and Sean are going to take you through all the week 7 recap, all the news and notes and a bit of debate, a bit of fun as well. Sean, welcome you in. How was your weekend, my friend? Yeah, very good weekend, mate. Nice to have a weekend watching the NFL without worrying about a particular result. So always uh, nice to catch a bit of red zone, see plenty of teams in action. So looking forward to having a chat about what went down this week. Absolutely. And I get I get that in week eight with the, the Cowboys on their impending buy. But yeah, more on that. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us here at the podcast at 14 Yards on Twitter, where you can find lots of shenanigans and lots of going on, lots of debate, lots of polls as well. Um, so go and give us a follow. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on the podcast as well. We really appreciate uh, everyone that's tuning in today. Thank you for being on board. Sean. A um, couple of downs in front of us today. Couple of, the first couple of downs are going to be uh, looking, obviously, the early slate and the late slate on the Sunday games, obviously Sunday night football as well. So let's kick it off then. First and ten, uh, early slate of games. First down. Okay, let's start off like each week does on Thursday night football. Wasn't really much of a game, was it? But the big news, of course, was Patrick Mahomes coming out, dislocated kneecap and all the rest of it as well. Um, so he is done for a couple of weeks. Matt Moore came in uh, and did what he does best. And I'm not quite sure what that is. So answers on a postcard there. Patrick Mahomes, before he did um, do something to his uh, to his kneecap that uh, everyone's been Googling since, he did reach 7,500 passing yards uh, in the fastest time. No real surprise there, Sean, edging out Kurt Warner. But uh, the thing that I, I found interesting about this game was that the uh, the defence stepped up when Mahomes did go down. Uh, some stats here. Frank Clark, Anthony Hitchens and Alex Okafor had two sacks and a forced fumble. Um, you know, each not, uh, con- contributing to Kansas City's nine-team sacks. And that's the most sacks uh, by the Chiefs in Week 6 since 2013 against Oakland. Because, uh, you know, this is a, this is a Kansas City defence that's um, it's had its critics over recent times and it's all been about we can score uh, more than you. But KC did get the win. Face the Packers next week on Sunday Night Football, which will be a whole different kettle of fish. Uh, and on the Denver side... Uh, they're just awful, aren't they? Uh, not not really too much to see here. That offensive line was was porous. Um, if if they were going to beat Kansas City, um, you know, rest in peace to my prediction as well. To be quite honest, uh, my bold prediction for the weekend did not come true. That was dog crap. Um, yeah, Denver on the Denver side, not really too much to talk about. So we shall move on. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see when Mahomes does come back, whether they're rushing back or not. I think they're pretty much safe in this in this division. But um, talking of Mahomes, obviously one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league at the moment. Uh, over to another one, a career day for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost um, almost surprising now that we don't sort of talk about him and gush about him in the same way that we do about the likes of Patrick Mahomes. But mm. Aaron Rodgers absolutely on fire in the Green Bay Packers 42-24 to win over the Oakland Raiders. And a combined six total touchdown for Rodgers, so five through the air and one on the ground. He's always been dangerous with his legs and again proved that he's still got that ability on Sunday. Uh, what's impressive for me is if you were to actually have a look at the box score and you go to the Packers receiving core, there are just a bunch of absolute nobodies that you've ever heard <laughs> of before catching balls here. Um, we all know about you know Devontae Adams and obviously he's been down, but if you look at some of the guys that are catching passes here, I've just had to Google a couple of them to even know who they are. Jake Comero, Alan Lazard. I'm sure these weren't taken by anybody when it came to the fancy football drafts at the start of the year, uh, but these guys are getting involved in the offence. One guy who people would have taken a flyer on, the lovely named Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, and... Um, Two catches for 133 yards. <laughs> that is incredible. 66 and a half yards per catch. Yeah. Uh, and he found the end zone as well. Um, to be fair to the Raiders, um, this was actually a bit of a back and forth game. And it, it, it sort of almost turned at a point towards the end of the first half where Derek Carr was you know, trying to reach the end zone, stretch the ball out, drop the ball. 
and quite possibly one of the most frustrating rules in football. Fumbled it through the end zone for a touchback, um, and the game really then never really got um, back to being competitive. The, the Packers utilised the time that was left on the clock and scored uh, to open up a big lead then at the end of the first half, and, and like I say, he never really recovered from there. Um, just a quick shout-out in terms of a player making a big impact once again for the Raiders, Darren Waller. Um, really is producing um, from the tight end position. He's by far their leading receiver. He had another big day here with seven uh, grabs for 126. And Josh Jacobs looks like um, he, he's going to be probably the leading rookie rusher, I would suggest, this year. He certainly, again, had another good day. Uh, and talking of good days for rushing the ball, that uh, <laughs> leads very nicely into the rain fest that was um, F- FedEx Field. Right. So over to you, my friend. Oh, that, was, that was expert segue there, Sean. Yeah, props to you on that one, my friend. Yeah, lots of Jürgen Klinsmann's in this one, wasn't there? I think there was more Jürgen Klinsmann's than points in this game, to be quite honest. Uh, belly flops all over the place. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't really take too much away from this game uh, in terms of you know thoughts and you know, what did we learn? Not a lot, apart from the you you can have you can have a, a game of NFL football under you know, just over two and a half hours, uh, which I think was the, the, the fastest in a, you know, um, joint fastest in about a decade. I think if I, if my memory serves me correctly, I think the Jaguars and the Patriots uh, when the Patriots uh, curb stomped them about a decade ago, uh, two hours and thirty six minutes for an NFL game. Yes, it does happen, chaps, and not all over three hours. But uh, you know, first time since 1990, 49ers 6-0. Uh, as much as I've been crapping on them for the whole of this season, I'm not going to continue to change my tune. They've not, they've not, they've not beaten anyone. This game is just uh, one of those games that comes around every couple of years, like the big snow games. You know, um, the, the the Detroit snow game against Philadelphia springs to mind. Uh, and then what was the what was the snow? It was the Colts and Bills, wasn't it? Was it last year or year before when uh, I think it was only one touchdown by Frank Gore. Uh, off the top of my head anyway but um yeah not, you're not going to learn anything on this one i think the, the redskins i don't think you're going to say uh, any other point in this season that redskins run the ball 10 straight times uh, and given eight straight to, eight of which uh, to adrian Peterson, who coughed up the ball and all the rest of it but um, it probably was the the the, the best way that uh, washington could have won this game because obviously you're out of sync you're out of kilter uh, from that absolute water park of a of a pitch um yeah, george kittle um could have quite easily gotten injured on one of his runs uh, when he planted his foot and um, tripped over a little bit as well. But yeah, not uh, obviously San Francisco did what they needed to do, got the win, got out of there. Are now six and zero, but yeah, don't don't be um, don't be asking me for to give them any compliments because I think that all they've done this season is beat six six iterations of the London Silly Nannies uh, for you Family Guy lovers out there as well. And you know, if they do get to the playoff, and it's looking obviously likely now, uh, I say through gritted teeth, uh, they're going to be one and done if they make the playoffs. Um, but Sean, two teams that aren't going to make the playoffs are the LA Rams and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, don't sleep on those Rams just yet. Probably a little bit like... A little bit like you just said about the 49ers Redskins. Not sure how much we learned from this game, other than confirming what we knew, that the Falcons are quite possibly one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in football. Uh, And they're certainly not going to be helped by the fact that their quarterback went off in this one with an ankle injury in the fourth quarter. Um, So if the Falcons were bad with Matt Ryan, God knows what they're going to be like with Matt Schaub. We will wait and see. Uh, quite a funny moment in this one. I actually enjoyed Devontae Freeman throwing a punch at Aaron Donald. I mean, talk about starting a fight with someone your own size. He picked him up. Um, fair play to him. <laughs> he actually picked Devontae Freeman up. Mental. Yeah, it was, um, it, it was certainly a mismatch, let's put it that way. But fair play to Freeman. Yeah, he held his ground, but he did get ejected for it. But yeah. uh, while all this uh, fun was going on, um, fair to say the Rams won this one at a canter. Um, as I sort of predicted last week, um, very much the exact game that they were looking for. And 37-10 on the scoreboard at the end of the game, you know, it's as dominant as what it suggested. Um, nobody really popping off the stat sheet, so to speak, though, in this one. Um, just getting enough done. You know, Todd Gurley still really, for me, quite disappointing on the ground, only averaging 2.3 yards per carry. He did have a very nice um, touchdown grab, though, which is probably the high re- highlight real play of the game. Um, and the wide receivers all sharing the love there. So Cooks, Cooper, Cup, and Robert Woods getting 15 um, receptions between them. None of them finding the end zone though. So like I say, not one that jumps off the page necessarily statistically, but certainly getting the job done for the Rams. I wouldn't roll them out of the playoffs yet. Um, similar to what you've said about the 49ers, I'm probably more convinced than you are. 
Um, but I think the Rams are still very much in contention in that division, so we'll see where that leads us. Mm. Talking of a tight division, that was um, the AFC South and a really good game, this one between Houston and Indianapolis. Yeah, it certainly was. It was a big game. I, I, I fancied Houston to upset the apple cart here a little bit, but uh, these two teams, uh, division-wise, have won it every uh, every season but one over the last decade, so uh, no real surprise that it'd probably be the same case again this season. Uh, but uh, we, we've spoken on this podcast recently about how good Deshaun Watson's been in the class of, and the maturity of him, but uh, Jacoby Brissett kind of blew him out of the water a little bit in this one. Um, you know, the, the first, first drive of 94 yards was exemplary. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, I think he's now got, what, four... Uh, what's he got? Uh, where's the stat here? Oh, I can't find it. That's awful. Uh, but I think he's got... He's, he's 4-0, uh, 4-0 against the Houston Texans. Um, he's now got seven pass touching, seven passing touchdowns and uh, no interceptions versus them. So I think it's fair to say that he likes playing them. Um, yeah, it was a really good back and forth, this one. Um, Deshaun Watson now joins Cameron Newton as the only person uh, in the Super Bowl era to record 7,500 passing yards uh, and 1,000 rushing yards in their first 30 career games as well. The key to the the, the Houston Texans, we've always said as well uh, in, re- in previous podcasts, that if you keep him upright, um, you know, generally the Houston Texans will win games. Uh, if Deshaun Watson's only been sacked zero or one times, they are 7-0, the Houston Texans. Uh, but obviously that wasn't the case today, which is what, partly as to why they lost. Um, was was hurried and was pressured quite a lot to Sean Watson. Was quite an interesting play actually, and we we, we a bit later on in the week when we were talking to Roger Goodgraves about this play, where Deshaun Watson managed to kind of do a Tony Romo slash Carson Wentz uh, impression and try and make something out of nothing, but um, threw a, a lovely touchdown to, to DeAndre Hopkins, but it was pulled back because uh, the play was called dead. So that was an interesting one uh, there for those people that are hating on the officials at the moment. But if you think about it, Sean, you know, go back to August when Andrew Luck retired, shell shock to the whole league, and you know, and more importantly, Frank Reich and the Colts and the Colts fans. I'm not quite sure you'll say uh, end of October that the uh, Indianapolis Colts are going to be 4-2, and two, divisional win over the Texans, and looking good for the playoffs. I, I think that would have been uh, would have been laughed at, wouldn't it? It, it would have been by, by some. I mean, I actually felt that, that Brissett had a great opportunity at the start of this year. I think the Colts are a much better team now mm. than they were two years ago when yeah. a similar opportunity presented itself. Yeah. They've invested a lot in that offensive line and, and you've said it with you know your own team, the Cowboys. It's amazing what a difference having five guys up front blocking for a quarterback can do. And I think Brissett is one of the... Well, I was about to call him backup quarterbacks in the league. He obviously isn't that now, as you've alluded to with, with Luck's um, retirement. Um, you know, but you know, for me, I think those two are going to go back and forth. I, I had Indianapolis just about winning that division at the start of the season, and the Andrew yeah. Luck situation didn't really change my mind. I think overall they will just about pip it. Um, but I think it'll be tight backwards and forwards, but a big game from a tiebreaker perspective, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And I say, if you listen, no, go on. Uh, if, you, if you listen to us a couple of months ago when we were previewing the season, I did say that 11, 11 to two uh, Indianapolis Colts were a great bet to to win that division as well. So uh, hopefully you got on because you know, and hopefully you didn't get on my Thursday night preview uh, prediction. But there we go. Anyway, but um, yeah, are, are the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, you, you, I know you fancied them pre-season, Sean. Um, this this result was obviously another step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely, and, and a great performance to go with it. Um, certainly on one side of the ball, let's be honest, defensively, it was it was brilliant. Um, if you think about where we were three or four weeks ago, we were talking about receivers being traded, we were talking about unrest, and all of a sudden, the last three weeks, Kirk Cousins has absolutely lit it up, and fair play to him. Um, we talked a little bit on Thursday, this is the ideal offence for play-action football, and, you know, again, it came to the fore on Sunday. It's a real balanced attack, and that's the thing that, that really works for them. Dalvin Cook, for me, you know, I, I commented on him a few weeks ago, you know, arguably in that conversation for the best running back in the league. Um, he went for another big day here, 142 yards and two touchdowns on 25 carries. Um, and Stefan Diggs, who, you know, essentially was the receiver that was apparently the most unhappy Um Again, came up big, seven for 142 after his partner in crime, Adam Thielen, went down early on, you know, what was an absolutely beautiful touchdown catch. Um, unfortunately, he pulled up injured in making it, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, old reliable, uh, you know, got both hands on it and held on to it. Um, I say on one side of the ball, because on the defensive side of it, probably their worst showing of the season. Um, they had absolutely no answer for Marvin Jones, who, you know, what a performance from him on a personal level. 
Um, you know, again in the end zone for, for four touchdown grabs, not something that you see every day. Um, obviously, um, you know, a big day for him, 10, to, uh, 10 receptions en route to that performance. Mm. Um, but they really struggled, if you like, in terms of, of that balance that Minnesota benefited from. Um, they lost on Johnson early in this one and ultimately then couldn't really get a lot going on the ground. And it almost felt like a, a typical Lions game where Matt Stafford was always just a little bit behind and was always having to throw the ball. Um, I believe on route, he's the quickest player um, to 40,000 passing yards, which doesn't surprise me at all when you think about the amount of times he has historically seemingly been throwing the ball left, right and centre because of the lack of running game. So congratulations to him on an individual level. Um, but for me, the Vikings, I think, you know, I'm still confident when I say they will ultimately be the class of that NFC North division. Um, it's certainly shaping up to be interesting between them and Green Bay. Mm. Um, I haven't got an impressive segue for you to this one, mate, because I don't know how we can get to Jacksonville, Cincinnati. <laughs> so we'll just do it as simple as that. That's yeah. the next game. Over to you. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got one line written down here and I've wrote down Jackson, I've got Jacksonville slash Cincinnati and I was like, do we really need to talk about this? Uh, go and look at the Joe Mixon stats because it's absolutely, absolutely you know, b- bananas. I think it was what, two carries or two yard, two rushing yards, two receiving yards and one touchdown or something stupid like that. Um, yeah, I mean, these are two teams that are, let's say, they're not going to be troubling the wild card, uh, the wild card for the AFC. You know, there's not a lot really to shout home about and I know... And there's quite a lot of uh, scepticism um, about the Cincinnati game coming on Sunday at Wembley Stadium against the Rams. But I know they're going to, or the uh, Adam and all the rest of them are going to enjoy the uh, the event and the day out and all the rest of it as well. But uh, yeah, a game a game where it doesn't have much too much ripple effect going throughout the league. So uh, I just wanted to t- just take an extra thirty seconds to talk about. Uh, Do you know Marvin Jones is an actually really good singer? I did not know. No, I'll, I will tweet it out. But so yeah, I saw a clip today of him singing with a choir. Uh, actually, quite something. So there we go. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was a, <laughs> that's how good the Jacksonville Cincinnati game was. The uh, takeaway was from it was Marvin Jones is a really good singer. So there we go. <laughs> um, is, is Marvin Jones a better singer than Joe Mixon is a running back? Oh, that's a good question. That's a poll. That's a poll to put out, isn't it? That's all right. I'm gonna put yeah, that out. That's yeah. a good poll. That's a good poll for the social. At full ten yards. Uh, by the time you listen to that, that poll will be be out somewhere on the social media. Um, let's let's go over to uh, Danny Dimes, who's not singing really from the same hymn sheet as all the rest of his players. Certainly not. No, he he has got a bit of a fumbling problem. It's safe to say, um, a little bit turnover prone. You kind of expect it from a rookie. So I'm still supportive of that move. I think you know the, the Giants desperately need to move on from Eli. Um, so I think they should stick with Jones for the rest of the season. They're not going to be pushing for the playoffs this year. So I think it's valuable game experience for him. Um, got some of his big guns back this week. Saquon Barkley came back. Um, didn't really get going to the extent that I thought he would. Um, and Evan Ingram was probably a bit of a fantasy killer for most people this week and a bet killer. I think everybody probably had him down for an anytime touchdown. And he just ultimately was just not part of the game plan for whatever reason. Uh, the main man from a fantasy perspective, though, was certainly Chase Edmonds, mm. who... Absolutely, Sean here in this one found the end zone three times, and and ultimately he really is becoming, you know, is he is he even classing there as David Johnson's backup? Mm. Um, you know, he's producing when he's given the opportunities, and you know, he, he ultimately, you know, any any guy's best ability is their availability. Um, you know, and ultimately David Johnson has been really struggling with that. Um, you know, and although he was active for the game, it was certainly Chase Edmonds who stole the show. Um, you know, it's a fair play to him. Three in the row, for, three in a row for the Cardinals. Um, obviously, you know, we, we keep alluding to it. You want to see them go against a little bit of a higher class of opposition, and they're certainly going to get that next week. So we'll probably get a real sense of where they actually are. Um, but certainly trending in the right direction, uh, which you cannot say about the good old Miami Dolphins. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But I tell you what, all the, all the highlights I saw of this game when I was, I was watching Red Zone in parts was um, Buffalo made a bit of uh, heavy going of this one. Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously a revenge game. Uh, a couple of stats here for you in this one. Um, Obviously, in familiar territory, former Bills QB, he's got more passing yards and TDs at a new era field than any other QB in the last 10 seasons. So, um, yeah, I think it's fair to say. I don't know if that's a, a positive for Ryan Fitzpatrick or negative with all the, uh, all, the, all the quarterbacks that have um, 
have come after him, but he's actually quite, his rushing touchdown was quite a funny play. And watching him run at full pelt was uh, was very very funny indeed. It just it looked like his his little body was just I don't know what he was quite doing, but yeah, it was was funny all the same. Just to go and uh, check that out. And yeah, but Bills made um, pretty pretty hard work of this one uh, behind for a good portion. But uh, yeah, Josh Allen with uh, I, th- I think I had to double check this one. He had a hundred and eleven QB rating um, this uh, against the, uh, the Miami Dolphins. So I, I think again I think that's more against the Miami Dolphins than it is for Josh Allen uh, and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, John Brown with a lovely celebration as well in the end zone. Um, not quite sure what was going on there with his arms, but uh, he was excited, uh, no doubt. But yeah, two touchdowns, two-point rush for Allen as well, 202 yards passing. Got the job done at home, probably made a bit more heavy weather of it. It was a divisional game, but um, yeah, Buffalo Bills are improving. Um, and say so certainly earmarked for one of the uh, wild card uh, places as well. So which again, I certainly wouldn't have been surprised when if, you know, judging by my comments at the start of the uh, the season. So uh, we shall see. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps us up for first down. There all the early games. So let's move on to second and ten. Second down. Okay, let's start off then with uh, Soldier Field. Loads of booze in this one. Chicago, Sean, uh, pretty much in trouble. But Sean Payton, another masterclass from as a head coach. Yeah, I think he, you know if you were if you were dishing out the Coach of the Year award at the minute, Sean Payton's name would certainly be up there doing it. Obviously, without his starting quarterback for the last um, well, the last five full games and pretty much most of the sixth game in that stretch. Um, so yeah, very impressive there. But I mean, you know, talk about a coach that that isn't doing a good job. If, if I said to you, Tim, he's an NFL team and the quarterback's not that great, do you, do you think you'd probably try and run the football? Possibly. I mean, you'd I certainly, you'd sensible, certainly, yeah, 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 I think but, so. Um, well, you would think so, um, but that doesn't seem to have reached Matt Nagy. So running backs on Sunday managed five carries between them for sixteen yards. <laughs> Absolutely incredible game plan, really, um, because this offence did nothing. Do not let the final score of 36 points to 25 fool you at all. This was 36-10. This was blowout city. This was booze ringing all out, all around, as you rightly said. And the Bears really are stuck in a bit of a rut here. I think Trubisky's come out afterwards and said the offence has got no identity. <laughs> the problem is, Mitch, it has got an identity. It's just not a very good one. <laughs> Everyone knows that this offence isn't very good. And you do feel for Alan Robinson, to be honest. And I saw a great tweet from somebody earlier, and I can't remember who it was, but it said, imagine how good Alan Robinson would be if he hadn't had Blake Bortles and Blake Bortles North throwing to him for his entire career. <laughs> yeah, and that really just about sums it up, doesn't it? You know, yeah. he's, he's had horrendous quarterback play. Um, and unfortunately, he's stuck on a team where he's getting more and more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the supposedly ferocious Bears defence disappeared in the second half. Latavius Murray had himself a day in the absence of Alvin Kamara. Uh, so he's proving that he's still got some tread left on his tyres. Um, and I've said it now for a few weeks. For me, the Saints absolutely the class of the NFC. Um, and, you know, potentially getting the Starman back this week as well. Um, personally, if it was me, I'd be holding Breeze out and yeah. giving him the extra week because they have the bye the week after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are only up against the Cardinals. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, certainly Teddy Bridgewater making his case for the long-term future in New Orleans because mm. it's only going to be a matter of time until Breeze is no more one way or another. Yeah. Um, so another impressive performance from the Saints. What did, what did you make um, of what did you make of um, the, the Tariq Cohen thing where you had all the defenders and Sean Payton giving Tariq Cohen a bit of stick? Um, I've, I've got to be honest, I thought it was a little bit unnecessary and yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that. actually that there wasn't more done on the field about it. Yeah. Um, you know, Tariq, Tariq Cohen, he's, he, he's a good player. You know, let's make no, no mistake about it. He's productive. Um, he's involved in the rushing game and the passing game. He, you know, you, you'd probably classify him as a bit more of a gadget player and a bit more of a trick player, if you like. But, you know, again, he's, he's certainly been productive in the offence and I don't think there's any place for that, to be honest, you know. The one thing that's great about the NFL is you can you can be somebody of his stature and, and prove valuable to a team, and you can be someone that's bloody twice his size and twice his weight and be valuable in another way. It's the ultimate team sport, and you know I certainly don't think we should be criticising people's um, appearance or people's physicality. Um, you know, for me that was a bit over the top. Yeah, and I say another another class player in the NFL. I say it's a shame Lawrence isn't here because he'd be waxing lyrical about uh, Lamar Jackson. 
Uh, interesting game here in Baltimore and, and Seattle, two teams with decent uh, records so far this season. Uh, interesting one here, the fourth and two from the Seattle eight uh, when the game was tied at 13. Uh, the field goal unit, Justin Tucker and all the rest of them were actually sent out by John Harbaugh, but uh, timeout was called and apparently Lamar Jackson persuaded uh, Harbaugh to, to let him go for it and dial something up. Uh, and then, you know, 30 seconds later, he's in the end zone uh, celebrating a touchdown. So, um, not only is it a decent play, but it says to me a couple of things here, Sean. A, the, the confidence that Lamar Jackson currently has uh, as an NFL starting quarterback, only in his, his you know, let's face it, not even, well, probably one season now, isn't it, uh, after coming in halfway of, of last season. But also just shows you the confidence that John Harbaugh has in Lamar Jackson to be able to say, OK, I fancy this, let's dial this certain play up, uh, you know, stick in a fullback and, uh, and, and then kind of off we go. So uh, I think that was probably the most telling point because this is a, this is a, a, a game away from home uh, on the West Coast in Seattle, Central Infield against the 12th man. Um, he certainly did hush up that crowd uh, against you know someone on the other side in Russell Wilson, who uh, you know is one of the leading candidates for MVP so far this season. Uh, you know, and Marcus Peters on the defensive side for Baltimore for uh, first interception of the year uh, by Russell by Russell Wilson was a pick six. Uh, and it probably was the first game Russell Wilson actually looked a bit flustered and hurried. Uh, no Dwayne Brown at left tackle. Uh, he was out with an injury as well. So, you know, he ended up with eight hits and, and actually completed 50% of his, less than 50% of his passes, uh, which he's not done that since the week 15 in 2017 as well. So um, a real good job done there by Baltimore on both sides of the ball uh, against the Seattle team. OK, yeah, we've said on previous occasions that it's not the Seattle team of old, but still to go away from home uh, in the NFL to somewhere like Seattle, um, with with the Baltimore team that they do have was a, was a very very impressive uh, performance. So uh, <laughs> we we go over now to the Chargers, who I, I don't think they could have been further from impressive, could they? Uh, yeah, continuing their disappointing season, and you know it just goes to show that we, we talk about this being a game of inches sometimes, and you almost <laughs> hesitate to say, but you almost feel like there's, there's only the Chargers that could have ended the game the way that they did. Oh, amazing. Um, you know, essentially. No, just an incredible sequence of plays. So, you know, effectively, you know, within the four-yard line, then moved on a pass interference call to the one-yard line, then have a touchdown called back on review, and then the next play, yeah, coming in for a touchdown <laughs> and fumble, um, and obviously come away with a with a three-point loss. And you know, it, it is soul destroying. You know, I've been there, and you know, you almost feel like there's only your team that can find way to lose. And unfortunately, that's that's a bit of a reputation now that the Chargers are developing for themselves. Yeah, um, it's certainly not looking good if your name is Melvin Gordon, because after the much publicised holdouts, the record since he's returned is a mightily impressive 0 and three. Mm. Um, so certainly not what um, he would have been hoping for. Um, and what, what his return has also done, which was always going to be the case, is obviously really limit the usage of Austin Eckler, yeah. who'd started off the season very well. Um, and on this one, you know, he only got five carries, did nothing with them, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but only five carries for Eckler. Um, he still did plenty of damage through the air. Um, he was the Chargers' leading receiver on the day, um, seven for 118 and found the end zone. Um, but this game really was probably more about the um, the start, if you like, of the Ryan Tannehill era, so to speak, within the Tennessee offense. And got to say, on first reflection, um, looked pretty decent. I think we we sort of discussed this last Thursday and thought he'd come in and do a pretty decent job, and that's exactly what he did. Um, you know, Corey Davis. You know, again, his stat line doesn't jump out at you, but six for eighty and a touchdown. It probably feels as about as productive a game as Corey Davis has had in a Titans uniform mm. with those kind of numbers. Um, AJ Brown also got six grabs on the other side, so you know he was getting the ball out to his wide receivers um, and got some production as well on the ground here with Derrick Henry, um, ninety yards and a touchdown. So it was a much more rounded performance um, defensively. The, the Titans are such a weird team to figure out; they really are so yeah. hit and miss. They're very much up and down. Um, but obviously, um, you know, that big fumble at the end of the day um, was ultimately the game clincher. Um, and they now improve um, to three and four. And for the Chargers, it's looking an awful long way back at two and five. It's almost a case of put a fork in them. They are done. Mm. 
Um, and it was a big game for you, mate, to close out the late slate. I know you were looking forward to it, and obviously I can tell all of our listeners, I can see him, his face, he's certainly a lot happier <laughs> than it was last week. So take us away, mate. Sunday night football. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What, what performance. I mean, Philadelphia's goose was cooked within five minutes, really, um, to turnovers and points off of turnovers. But I, th- I think it's, again, the offensive display. Uh, that, that first touchdown to Taywan Austin, you had three different... The, the play call was absolutely fantastic by whoever whoever done it. I'm not going to say Kellen Moore, but it probably was. Um, yeah, you had three options. You had the the, the, the breed option to Zeke. You had uh, the Dallas... Uh, the Dak Prescott keep and then the shovel pass out to Tavon Austin as well. So you've got the line collapsing down to the left uh, where Zeke was going. Dak pulls it off and then sees um, the defensive end coming... Or the safety, I think, coming to come and get Dak and then just shoveled it off to Tavon Austin. Uh, and then five seconds later, he is in the end zone. So it's just silly little things like that. The the intricacies of a Kellen Moore-led uh, offense. You, you have to think that, that Jason Garrett doesn't even know half of that play. Uh, wouldn't even be able to dial even a quarter of it up, I, I don't think, as well. So, um, I mean, kudos to, to Dallas. I mean, it certainly helps when Philadelphia put the ball in your lap within the first five minutes. Um, a lot was made on the NBC sport, uh, broadcast that Doug Pedersen decided to take the ball uh, in, in in light of their recent sl- slow starts in games, uh, which obviously you know, came here again as well. But I think if you, you look at the, the offences of this, this this week and last week for the Dallas Cowboys against the Jets and obviously the Eagles this week, um, all those injuries that we had last week make a monumental difference to this team. Amari Cooper showing what he means to, to Zeke Elliott in the run game. Uh, but also how good and how good a trade that was for Amari Cooper, just a, you know, just a first round pick. A lot of people were slating Dallas uh, when Amari Cooper came over, myself included as well. I was a, I was a skeptic, but I'm not going to lie. Um, but he's certainly shown his worth to both sides of the ball. You know, Dak certainly likes him. It opens up things for Michael Gallup uh, and the, in the run game as well, because it, it makes the defenses honest and allows Dak to do what he wants to do as well. Uh, but also gives Kellen Moore and, and the, the guys there uh, dialing the calls up to you know the, the playbook's a lot bigger, isn't it? You've got a lot more plays to choose from when you've got everyone there. Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins both played. I think Tyron Tyron Smith was still a bit banged up. He got called for a few penalties as well. Um, but yeah, he held up enough to to help uh, Dallas get this win. Uh, bit, I'm not going to do a victory lap. But we've been by no means won the division. Um, you know, only one game ahead now of the of the uh, the Eagles at four and three. Uh, by week next week, we can all get healthy and all get back on track. Um, you know, there are some difficult games coming up, but um, you know. Philadelphia are dangerous when they're the underdog, when they've got lots of stuff ahead of them and you know try and prove people wrong. But that schedule coming up, the next four games: Buffalo, Chicago, New England, Seattle, with a bye week in there as well. So uh, I think the you know the upcoming schedule. I think the the team's win loss record is nineteen and seven. So uh, whilst that Chicago game maybe isn't the uh, most daunting as it might have been at the start of the season, or North Seattle, uh, still going to be hard places to go to and travel to and, and get some as well. Uh, and obviously just. Put, put a circle round week 16. Their home game it will be against the Cowboys as well. So no doubt it will come down to that game anyway. So yeah, no victory laps here. But yeah, a very, very pleasing performance. Uh, it was nice to see um, Demarcus Lawrence get a strip sack as well because he's been quiet this season. It's all been about Robert Quinn so far as well. So uh, a couple of knocks on on defence as well, but they don't don't seem to be missing a lot of time and say bye weeks come at a good time for the Cowboys. Okay, that is the late slate all rounded up nice and down for you. So let's go to third and 10 for a bit of debate. Okay, so we started this last week in terms of having a little bit of a debate on our Monday pod, and we're going to do the same this week and try and get you guys all involved on our social media polling. Um, And this week, based on the fact that we've had a couple of key injuries to quarterbacks that we've mentioned, in particular Matt Ryan and Patrick Mahomes, um, got me thinking around who are the best backup quarterbacks within the league Seems like a number of them have ended up starting already this season, um, and a few of them have been quite notable in their starts. Um, so they always say that you're only one play away from your backup quarterback, and <laughs> that, for that reason, you better get a good one. So let's just run through a few names, um, and then I'll come to you, Tim, just to get your view on who's the best out of this bunch and why. Yep. Um, so we've obviously got Teddy Bridgewater, who has been excellent for the Saints. Um, he's obviously paid quite handsomely, so you'd possibly expect him to do so. Um, but Teddy is certainly um, up there with the best of them. Um, there's a few other guys, if you like, that you know potentially have either got starting experience or could be starters 
for the benefit of this conversation, I'm going to put Ryan Tannehill in that group. Um, although he started this week, I think he was certainly the backup to Marcus Mariota. Um, certainly think he will be starting next week. But for the benefit of this conversation, let's stick Tannehill in that group. A yeah. um, couple of guys that haven't seen the field but have started as much uh, as recent as last year. We've got Tyrod Taylor over at the Chargers, unlikely to be unseating Philip Rivers, but has obviously had a reasonably nice career. Um, Nick Mullins held the ship fairly well for the 49ers last year in Jimmy Garoppolo's absence. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another couple of names that have had starting experience. A few of the other guys that are on here, potentially some of the younger ones, some of the guys that we've talked about um, that have actually got some starts this year. So Gardner Minshew, obviously for the Jags. We all had a little debate, if you like, on who we think would start week one for the Jags next year, and it may well be that Gardner Minshew is that man. But again, for the benefit of this, let's put him in as a backup. Mason Rudolph um, has obviously stepped in for Big Ben, and Kyle Allen has stepped in for Cam Newton at their respective teams. So there's another couple of names. There's a few others in here that are sort of familiar names. Um, RG3 is still in the league, believe it or not. Josh McCown is still in the league, believe it or not. Matt Schaub is actually alive, believe it or not. <laughs> I nearly fell off my chair when I saw Matt Schaub enter the game on Sunday. Um, and there's obviously a few others. I'm not going to read through all 32. I think it's fair to say that some of them wouldn't even come near the conversation of the best one in the league. Um, but there are a few to mention. Just one other notable mention, actually, from our, from our friend Chris Todd uh, over with us at the full 10 yards. He put Brian Hoyer's name forward to mentioning <laughs> this as a debate. Again, he's had a nice career, essentially, as a backup. Um, he's currently over now at the Colts. So there's a few to talk us through and get us started. So what do you reckon, Paul? Who, who would you want as your backup quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly it goes without saying Teddy Bridgewater is, is the guy that you want. But I'm, I'm going to put a, a case forward to, for Carl Allen, um, for a guy that has come in and at least put, pushed the envelope in terms of, you know, is he, is he, is he actually our starter? And there are rumours circling around that Ron Rivera uh, maybe even listening to trade uh, calls for Cam Newton is certainly an interesting one. Um Obviously, they've had their bye this week, and certainly, yeah, I think Kyle Allen's just actually been named as the starter for their trip to uh, San Francisco as well. But this is a guy at seven touchdowns, no interceptions so far this year. He's not lost in the Carolina Panthers shirt. He's currently five and zero. You know, a couple of game, couple of those, uh, those games over a hundred, uh, hundred on the passer QB rating. Um, he's actually done. He's done really well. He's he, again not played the greatest of teams in Arizona, Houston, Jacksonville, and Tampa this uh, this this season. Um, but the next three games will certainly tell us a hell of a lot more whether or not uh, Kyle Allen uh, is supposed to be in this league of say uh, San Francisco, Tennessee, and Green Bay. Three decent defenses there. So if he gets to the end of those three games, we'll certainly know whether or not Kyle Allen is uh, is a starter and deserves his chance um, to to be in the NFL. Uh, but basically, what he's gone on so far, and what's been on the show so far, you can't, you can't deny the fact that he certainly should be given that opportunity too. So I think you know, kudos to Carl Allen for at least putting that question into Ron Rivera's uh, brain to think, oh, you know, should we be, be going with Carl uh, Allen? I mean, yes, the argument is Christian McCaffrey is is this offense when if Carl Allen is at quarterback and if Cam Newton is in and is healthy, then you've got a dual threat there with him and CMC. Uh, but at least go you know, Carl Allen. No one expected to, for him to perform how he has done so far. You know, completing sixty-five percent of his passes, which uh, you know Cam Newton would even sniff at, to be quite honest. And uh, North Turner obviously likes Carl Allen uh, in terms of what he dials up from, on a week-to-week basis as well. So yeah, he's he's been able to keep the Carolina Panthers relevant this season when it could have uh, kind of gone the, by the wayside like the Atlanta Falcons, Sean. Yep, no, I can't disagree with that, Matt. I think, you know, we've, we've had that conversation in terms of, you know, what is the right decision and the fact that we're even questioning it, you know, does speak volumes to the level of play that Carl Allen has put out on the field. Um, so I certainly think he has done himself no harm whatsoever. Um, it, it almost felt like I'm sitting on the fence when I say this before I, I choose my <laughs> answer, but I think it very much depends on the situation that these guys find themselves in when they're coming in. So take Brian Hoyer there as a really good example that Chris put forward. He's, he's, your, he's your stereotypical backup quarterback in the NFL. You know, manages the game pretty well, but he needs the right set of circumstances. Yeah. And if you look at the circumstances that he finds himself in, we've talked about earlier, potentially behind the best offensive line within the NFL. 
you know, a fairly decent defence. You know, it doesn't give up an awful lot of points. It's certainly not a reason that Indianapolis loses a lot of games. They're always competitive. That's a great situation for Brian Hoyer to find himself in. Mm. There's others that, you know, make sense. Josh McCowan, he's been in the league forever and a day. But by all accounts, an excellent mentor, a really good presence in the locker room. And if you think about the injury problems that Carson Wentz has had, um, you know, again, an ideal situation for a guy like that. But I've got a plump for one, and I think we're all in agreement about Teddy. So I think when we put this poll up, we'll probably take Teddy out of the options, probably a little bit similar to Freddie Kitchens last week. He'd probably win in a landslide. <laughs> um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw up Ryan Tannehill, um, although he's now sort of, quote-unquote, the starter. Um, I think that, for me, is the reason that I would put him at the top of this list. You're looking at a guy here who has previously taken a team to the playoffs. Um, you know, you, you would almost question, really, well, you, I would say you would question. I think the fact that Miami appear to be tanking is the answer, but you question why Miami let him go. Because um, he's certainly a better option, I would suggest, than either of the two options that Miami currently have. Yeah. And, you know, for me, he, he's just very competent. I don't think he's going to ever wear you particularly. Um, yeah. But, again, from what you want from your backup quarterback, you want somebody to come in, understand the system, move the change with consistency, and ultimately not cost you too many games. The job of a backup quarterback is to get you through to the situation that your starter returns. And that's what Teddy's done fantastically in New Orleans. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he's had one game. Now, it's not down to injury. It's due to a coach's decision. But he's had one game. He's got one He's got one win. And, you know, like we said earlier, the Titans looked a lot better already offensively. Um, you know, so for me, if I was having to pick one out of the list, I would go with Ryan Tannehill. Um, we'll obviously limit the poll so we haven't got the entire 32 to choose <laughs> from. But just to, just to get some other names mentioned that we didn't when we initially introduced this, um, Matt Barkley at the Bills, he's seen some action already this year. Chase Daniel at the Bears, argument as to whether he, he will see the field again soon based on what uh, what Mitch Trubisky produced this week. Um, others that are on there, Matt Moore is going to be the guy quarterback in the Chiefs, we would assume, for the next few weeks. Um, obviously, whilst um, Mahomes does make his recovery, and just a shout out to Lawrence's favourite backup quarterback, of course, Blake Bortles over at the LA Rams. <laughs> I know he would be Lawrence's front runner in this category. Only joking, mate. But um, yeah, there's some. Yeah. Safe to say, there's a varying, different degree of competency around backup quarterback. So, get in touch with us, interact with us. It'd be interested to see your views on this. Um, like I say, you're only ever one play away, and it's amazing how much a season can pivot on that. You know, being you know, all always glued to the Chiefs over the next three weeks to see how they get on uh, in the absence of Patrick Mahomes. So let us know your thoughts, interact with us, and uh, we'll continue this going next Monday with a different debate. But uh, yeah. that's going to be the end of third down, mate. So fourth down. Fourth down. Okay, fourth and ten. Seeing as though there wasn't really much in the way of Jason Garrett Corner this week, we've, uh, we're have we not going to abandon it. Obviously, we wouldn't do that to you lovely people out there. But, um, yeah, not really too much in the way. So I thought what would be quite good to do is kind of introduce a new segment, Sean, uh, called ha- uh, Hashtag Stats Life. Uh, I will get a drop for it as well, um, let's say, because that's what I do. Um, but, yeah, I thought it would be quite useful. Quite a lot of people out there, you know, all you listeners out there like stats. You like, you know, things to back up your arguments and, you know, water cooler moments or, you know, you, you like to sound intelligent. Well, I certainly do anyway, Sean. But uh, I thought it would be quite good, actually, to, to read out a couple of stats that we found out over the weekends. And it's, it's obviously littered in in broadcast, especially on Sunday Night Football, because they've got a lot of time to fill and Scott Hansen on Red Zone, you know, during the late slate and all the rest of it. But I thought if we if we collectively get a few stats out that are quite interesting, maybe discuss a few that um, warrant a bit more further discussion, uh, and then kind of go from there. Maybe put some out there to discuss any any stats out there you listeners have found. Put, ping them over to us at Full Ten Yards, uh, and we'll retweet some of those as well. But uh, Sean, I'll kick off. I'll kick off with my favourite one from the weekend. Um, it, it, again, going back to your quarterbacks about backups and stuff. But um, yeah, this season so far, seven quarterbacks that have been drafted first overall have started all at least one game, uh, and none of them have, currently have a winning record. And if the season ended today, seven those seven quarterbacks uh, and those teams would all miss the playoffs. 
uh, and there's not been a postseason without a starting quarterback drafted first overall since 1990. Uh, so I thought that was actually quite interesting, Sat, because obviously you've got quite a lot of quarterbacks there uh, to to try and satisfy that criteria. So uh, would, I'm not saying it's going to it's going to happen, but yeah, I thought that was quite interesting all, all the same. No, it certainly isn't. And like you say, some of the quarterbacks on that list, you know, have been in the league for a while now, haven't mm, they? Yeah. Um, you know, so really is quite surprising. And, you know, what it, what it sort of further highlights, if you like, is there's no guarantee when it comes to the NFL draft. Mm. I know the college boys will have us right to speed yep. when we roll around to draft day. Um, but there's certainly no such thing as a sure thing. Um, and, and as you say, the records are speaking for themselves this mm. year, those guys really are struggling mm. uh, obviously one of those is my own in there so we'll gloss <laughs> over that mate it's a great step but hopefully we can get that turned around in the second half of the season mm. um which which leads me nicely onto my favorite quarterback lamar jackson um can't <laughs> deny fantastic result for the ravens the weekend but once again i'm sorry but the passing numbers are just not there nine of 20 i believe passing uh again did his damage on the ground and fair play no problem with that um, however, let's be honest, they're not always designed. And one of the stats out of this week is that 86 of those rushing yards were actually on five quarterback scrambles. You know, so this is a play that's not designed for him to keep the ball. And his elusiveness is a fantastic weapon. Don't get me wrong. I just, I genuinely fear, and I'm not just saying this to take the mickey, I genuinely fear that he's going to get knocked out of the game and he's going to get seriously injured with one of these runs ending badly um you know but 86 yards on three scrambles uh oh, sorry on five scrambles most by any quarterback in the game this season unsurprisingly mm. and a career high from himself so he continues to get the work done with his legs Mm. No, absolutely. And talking of quarterbacks that get things done with their legs, Dak Prescott obviously got in the end zone against Philadelphia. But did you know, Sean, that last night was Dak Prescott's 27th game with a 100-plus passer rating? Uh, and in those games, the Cowboys are 26-1. and one with the high, That's the highest winning percentage uh, in a 100-passer rating game since Dak entered the league. And that's even above Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. Dak's doing himself a nice job here, isn't he? There's talk of a contract, then he has a couple of bad games, and then just when it feels like he's losing some dollars, he, he throws in a game like <laughs> he had last night and, and probably gets the uh, the dollar bills back in Jerry's eyes. Um, what do you think he's going to get paid, mate? I think we all probably agree he's going to get paid, but mm. you know, if you, if you were Jerry Jones here, what, what sort of number would you be looking at paying mm. him? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, a lot of key key Dallas cogs got paid in the off-season. Uh, Zeke Elliott as well. If, I mean, if you break down that contract uh, in terms of what he's currently got left, including part of his rookie deal, I think the Cowboys will probably aim for something like that. I mean, whatever number it's going to be, it's going to be heavily scrutinised, isn't it? Even if it's anywhere near 30, I mean, it's going to be uh, probably nearer to 35, to be, to be quite honest. But if they try and work it in a way that... Um, over the, the longevity of the deal is going to be you know, favourable for the Cowboys. I think that that's kind of what they're going to be getting done. But I, I think it'll probably be north of 35, uh, unfortunately. Well, I say unfortunately. Um, yeah, considering the salary caps going up year on year, I, th- I think in a couple of years it's, it's going to be it's going to be non-news. It's going to be like chip shop wrapping paper, isn't it? Um, to be to be quite honest. But yeah, when it, when it does hit and it will hit sooner rather than later, I would have thought. Uh, and let's not forget as well, Mara Cooper needs to get paid as well. But when it, when it does come down the hammer does come down and he does get a deal thrashed out there's going to be a lot of uh uproar is probably too strong a words but um, it's going to be a number that's going to be uh a th- a quite an easy needle to stick in the cowboys fans sides uh and you know you're not going to get you're going to get a quite a big bite quite quickly uh from cowboys fans probably including myself as well about you know he, he doesn't earn it and all that kind of stuff i will say that they've missed a beat in trying to not get it done before people like goff people people like wentz uh, as well so they've kind of missed a trick there so for that I kind of am a bit annoyed at the Dallas front office to not getting it done sooner but uh, yeah whatever num- number comes down it's going to be a big one uh, but I just hopefully over the course of the deal itself it's it's one that's favourable for the Cowboys Well fingers crossed for you mate because like I said I think he's definitely going to get paid so let's throw a few more stats and a few more bits of information from the weekend so this is one I really liked we talked last week about kickoff returns almost being a thing of the past and we kind of ignore them. Well, Corderell Patterson was the first player to score a kick return touchdown at Soldier Field since 
could Ralph Patterson himself. <laughs> week seven of last year with New England, so nice one there for Cordrell Patterson. Did you see the uh, the camera angle for that? That was, was a thing of beauty from that Sky it, camera. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? I think they usually they usually go to that camera when it's uh, it's uh, definitely going to be a touchback. But no, yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good to see him uh, weaving in and out. And uh, he now um, moves up on the all-time list. Um, he's one short of tying the record of kick-return touchdowns held currently by Leon Washington and Josh Cribbs, who mm. have eight. So mm. he's searching some more records there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just one more for me, mate, and then I'll hand back to you to close out the segment. A yep. um, couple of teams we've talked about not necessarily getting any love in terms of the 49ers. Um, and the Bills, potentially. So the 49ers, um, obviously you mentioned the stat earlier about it being uh, the shortest game that there's been for 10 years now. Um, they've also given up the least amount of passing yards in a two-game stretch combined, mm. um, I believe, forever. I'm just going to double-check. Um, since, no, not forever. Since 1977. Feels like forever. I wasn't born <laughs> in 1977. No, exactly. yeah. Um and then the, the one on the Bills is just the Bills' last nine games, their record is 7-2, and two, which is an absolutely phenomenal record. Problem mm. they've got, the two losses, New England Patriots, obviously yep. in their division. Yep. But uh, a big shout-out to the Bills there because that's an impressive set of numbers, whichever way you try and dress that up. No, no, absolutely. And I'm going to close this out with this one then, Sean. Aaron Rodgers, obviously one of the players of the weekend, is the sixth QB since 1950 to have a game of over 400 yards and a perfect passer rating. Of those six games, of those six instances, three have come at this season. So there you go. So what uh, what a season we are having so far, but Sean. That's uh, we'll, I think we'll wrap it up there, buddy. Um, say hopefully uh, you can get some good sleep in that Inverness hotel that you're currently in. Fingers crossed, mate. I've, I've, um, I've closed the window because whoever decided to leave an Inverness window open at this time of year obviously needs their head looking at me. <laughs> so, fingers crossed, I'll get nice and warm in a minute, mate. Lovely stuff. And I say, we'll welcome you. We'll, we'll be back on Thursday to give you a, a preview of the week eight action, halfway nearly through the season for most teams now. Uh, scary how much it goes by. But any stats, anyone out there that likes, don't forget to ping us over on Twitter and we'll retweet some of those. But thank you all so much for joining us. That will do it for today's podcast. Don't forget to check out tom- uh, tomorrow. We will have the 14 takeaways written by yours truly. Loads of stats in there as well. Uh, I think I'm 8 out of 10 through those at the moment. So hopefully you look forward to, to reading those. Don't forget to NFL Europe shop. You can get 10% off with code FULL10 at checkout. I know quite a few of you have been using that. So in, say if you want to save on postage as well and you're going to the games, uh, Wembley this week and next week, get it delivered there as well. You can save a couple of quid on postage. But we'll speak to you guys all on Thursday. So in the meantime it's goodbye from Sean cheers pal and it's goodbye from me in the great words of Kevin Cadle it's bye bye for now bye bye thanks for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on Facebook or Twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com